0: Relay FM, this is Connected, Episode two hundred and eighty-three. Today's show is brought to you by Clean My Mac X Pingdom. And indeed, my name is Mike Hurley. I have introduced myself as it is an odd episode, and I am joined by my friend, Mr. Federico Vatici.
1: Hello, Michael. How are you? I'm very well, how are you? I am surviving so far in italy so, oh boy yeah <laughs> you know, fingers real. crossed and all that but i'm fine it's real rough over there right now huh mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah i uh, coronavirus uh it's uh, uh i was just reading a few minutes ago uh the confirmed cases are now at 400 uh, thankfully mostly in the well thankfully for me but of course it's terrible for those people in the northern uh, part of italy mm-hmm. uh I mean it's kinda of spread for sure, but so far we're fine and the government is actually doing a pretty good job. So uh, you know, we're we're holding up as a as a as a people, we're holding up, I think.
0: Yeah, it really spread fast. i am reading about it. It it was like, Oh, there's no one in Italy and now there's a hundred people and now there's two hundred and now there's four hundred and like in the <laughs> yeah, last week. Yeah. It's been wild. You Italians need to stop touching each other.
1: Yeah, uh, that's the problem. Uh, the the problem was also that I was reading that is, uh, the virus was present for like two weeks. Uh, there's like two specific areas uh, that have been marked as like um, no access zones mm-hmm. um, and the virus was kind of cooking in there for two weeks and then it started spreading. Right. Um, but truth be told and I don't usually say this, but the Italian government is doing a good job this time. Uh, lots of uh, preemptive measures, and I mean, it's a sacrifice for for those people up north. Uh, you know, they cannot leave their house for two weeks. Uh, they, we're asking them a lot right now, uh, but the government response seems to have been fast and 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 quite severe, but necessary. I think so. Uh, fingers crossed, we'll we'll mm-hmm. live through this, and we're gonna be fine.
0: Yep. The same goes to everyone everywhere who's dealing with the situation right now. But anyway, that's mm-hmm. not. Let's let's not spend too much time on that right now. Uh Steven's not here this week. He has not been affected by coronavirus. He is just dealing with a family <laughs> matter this week. Uh so mm-hmm. um send him weird fish, I guess, will be my request right yes. now. Yes. We have some follow up. I've decided to do follow up this week purely because uh there's
1: in, in <laughs> memoriam on <of> steven <laughs> yeah well no
0: no just because there's some warren buffett news uh that I'll i want to talk about but we'll get to that in a minute i mean we have to then we have exactly to. eric reminded us that the ikea and sonos speakers that we were talking about last week are airplay 2 speakers so they would actually integrate with any existing home pod setup
1: didn't so, we say that on the show I
0: don't know. I'd probably not because multiple people wrote in to say that. So so if you are an all in on the HomePod, this is a nice and cheaper way to expand your home to have multi-room audio, which is nice, right? Because they're cheaper. Uh, But however, in this situation, you'd probably need to use your phone as a controller a lot for the music because if the HomePod was like downstairs in the living room and you have these in the bedroom, you can't change the music via audio. Like right, we're speaking.
1: You can but, talk to them. So yeah,
0: exactly. But it is a nice way as as AirPlay 2 speakers. These are actually they do have more function than that. Like it's not just Sonos, right? Mm-hmm. Which we were talking about is like a problem in the sense
1: it's like, well, you are all in in the Sonos system or not. Mm. There's um, some follow up that I forgot to put in the note. And now that we're talking about it, I just remembered a bunch of people um, wrote to me on Twitter to say that. Uh, in sh- uh, when i s- uh, on the show i said uh, it's not possible in shortcuts to control multiple airplay two speakers at the same time and a bunch of people uh, told me that in fact you kinda can control multiple speakers at the same time using the control home action so using the home kit action in shortcuts if you have uh, you can select multiple speakers at once and then toggle playback however I knew that, and I didn't mention that, because it doesn't do what I actually want shortcuts to be able to do, which is to actually pass any arbitrary music as a parameter to multiple speakers at the same time. Uh, with the control home action, all you can do is toggle playback, like pause or play, or change the volume, maybe. But you cannot actually integrate that with the parameter for some music coming from, uh, for example, a Find Music action or a Get Playlist action. So yes, you can do limited um, control of multiple speakers at the same time, but it's not what I was talking about. What I'm referring to is the ability to actually control music playback, and the music that you pass to multiple speakers at the same time. And that is not possible because right now, in shortcuts, once again, the set playback destination only accepts one speaker at a time. We will talk about why I have done what I'm about to say I've done soon, but I just bought the Echo subwoofer. Ah, uh, uh, that's the one that they do the... In America, I believe they do the commercial and there's Liza uh, playing the the cello or the violin. Is it that
0: one or is it the one with the hole in the middle? Because I wouldn't buy the one with the hole in the middle. You know they have. Is this, like, the,
1: is this the Echo Studio? Is it called the Echo Studio?
0: The Echo Studio, I think, is the like Home Home Pod competitor that has the ah, hole you, in the and middle.
1: And you don't have, and you don't have the Echo Studio. I
0: refuse to buy that because I can't stand looking at the hole in the middle of the okay. Echo. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Okay. They have a product called the Echo Sub, okay. which is a subwoofer that you pair with the Echo Plus, and can create like home like so like whole room audio right so they sell like a set that you can buy of two echo pluses and one sub for like it's like less than a home pod okay so i bought that i will report back on that soon
1: interesting okay please do
0: this is testing i'm doing with the amazon echo but yeah, no, I wouldn't buy the, 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 the studio because I really can't stand the way it looks. It makes me feel right. uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mac Pro wheels and feet are going to be coming as user serviceable parts. So there, Apple released a white paper for both the Mac Pro and the Pro Display XDR. So like just these documents which have tons of information that are publicly available. And Stephen noticed that the... In that in the Mac pro white paper, they said that there is going to be a kit that Apple will be selling to change over to wheels or feet. This is something that previously they would said you'd have to go to a user service like to a uh, to a, to an Apple store or a service provider and have it changed mm-hmm. over but they are changing their uh, minds on this one I guess, which is good because now if you bought the feet and you want the wheels uh, then you can then you can get some wheels. However, I don't know how useful the wheels are. Did you see MKBHD's tweet today of the the i is, is Mac Pro rolling away?
1: I'm looking at it right now. It's, so that's the wheels
0: quite funny. don't lock. You can't lock the wheels. So if you have the Mac Pro on an uneven surface, it will just roll away, which oh is God. kind of hilarious. Um, it's it's just going. It, it will just go, which is not not great,
1: really, because you don't want it rolling away you um, you don't want your computer to run away from you usually you
0: do not uh mkbhd also published his mac pro review uh, mm-hmm. he he spent $43,000 on his mac pro
1: that's uh that that's that that is money that that is a lot of money yeah. um for a computer it's funny because um, i remember people telling him when he got the review unit from apple it's like oh yeah good job getting uh, an expensive computer for free And you're never going to pay for a computer yourself. And now now we got a 43,000 Mac Pro. (laughs) I mean, I get
0: it, right? Like in the situation that he's in, like having a machine as powerful as that that can rip through his footage, like I totally get it. Uh, I'm just happy he owned it, right? Like I think that's cool. Like if if you have done that, just say what you spent rather than just making people guess, you know? Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so the Mac Pro, you can put wheels on it, but don't put those wheels on an uneven surface or it will roll away forever.
1: Right, got it.
0: I will keep this in mind. If I had one, I would want the wheels on it because I just think it looks cool and would be useful. But it's weird that you can't have a little, a little lock to go on it.
1: Mm-hmm. You know. yeah. There you go. It's some third party Belkin can make a wheel lock. Someone's gonna for sure. It. The for sure they will. Belkin of our companies will. I'm sure.
0: As some, I I'm, I'm, I teased this already, but I have some news about friend of the show Warren Buffett. Oh, Warren, what are you do this time? He's finally switched to the iPhone.
1: Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Warren Buffett owns 5.6% of Apple, like all of it. He owns Mm -hmm. like 5% of the entire company. Uh, And until recently, he did not own an iPhone. In fact, he had been using a $29 Samsung Haven flip phone as his phone. That's what he's been doing. Uh, I'm happy that now, as an iPhone 11 owner, he can finally play the greatest game of all time Warren Buffett Paper Wizard.
1: His own game. So he may have never
0: even played his own game. Apparently, he does use an iPad to quote from this Verge article, research and check stock prices. Of course, as we all
1: do. As we all do.
0: Um, But apparently, Tim Cook has been trying to get Buffett to switch to the iPhone for years and has gifted him, quote, several iPhones. Several? Yep, Cook even <laughs> told Bloomberg TV in 2018 that he would personally fly out to Omaha and perform tech support for Buffett should he ever need it. So
1: I kind of I would like this to, to be like, like, a, like an Apple TV Plus short documentary. Like Tim Cook does tech support. Tim's tech support. Tim's, t- Tim's tech support. It would be an amazing show. To mm-hmm. have Tim Cook go to a bunch of random people and fix their Apple problems, mm-hmm. just like old the- <laughs> Apple investors. <laughs> <laughs> no, but even just random people, you know, like I don't know, your mom. Mm-hmm. It's like Tim Cook knocks at your door and fix your fixes your Wi Fi or something like that. Mm-hmm. That would be incredible.
0: Well, I don't know if he could fix the Wi Fi. We'll talk about that later on. <sighs> uh, the I'm starting to to think that the Warren Buffett Paper Wizard only existed so Tim could try and convince Warren to get an iPhone that's a leverage yeah I think it was leverage well it's just like I've made this game about you do you not want to play
1: it you know? <laughs> yeah and we all know you know that that the best way to get Warren Buffett's attention is to stroke his enormous ego. Mm. So, uh, you know, I mean, we're talking about the man who had a flavor of Coca Cola.
0: I was going to say they <laughs> should have made a Coca Cola iPhone. That would have brought him over. <laughs> he loves it. Was it Cherry Diet Cherry Coke or something? <laughs> yes. Yes. Was his favorite. Um, <laughs> yes. It is worth noting that Buffett has said that he will strictly use his iPhone to make phone calls only.
1: Sure. We don't believe you, Warren. What a
0: what a what a, what a like power move. You no, know? nah, like I'm going to nah. use this flip phone, and now you've given me an iPhone, and uh, I'm just going to use it to make phone calls because I'm Warren Buffett.
1: Wait until he discovers shortcuts, you know. Oh, Warren, he's gonna be, Warren strikes me as a shortcuts person,
0: he's going to be a Club Max Stories member in no <laughs> <low> time,
1: <laughs> he's going to own five percent of Max Stories.
0: <laughs> I would sell five percent of my company to Warren Buffett,
1: yes, I will too, yeah.
0: yes, for mm-hmm. a lot of money. Call me Warren. I mean, you've got a phone. You don't have to te- <laughs> I, You don't even have to text me. You can call me. Uh, also, because Steven isn't here this week, um, I guess we should mention, if you want to hear more about Federico's Pokemon exploits that we were talking about over the last couple of weeks, uh, we're going to be doing an episode of Remaster this week where mm. we're going to talk in depth about how Federico is catching all the Pokemon and then battling with them competitively. So if that mm-hmm. is of interest to you, if you want to... Uh, listen to this just merely to strike revenge against Stephen for his actions. Um, you can go and subscribe to the show, and there'll be an episode later on this week all about it. Yes. So this has uh, ceased follow up. Follow up okay. is done. It's done. We're done. And today's show is brought to you by Clean My Mac X which Clean my Mac X will make it easy to optimize your Macintosh and help you maintain peak performance. It has a bunch of useful features like system junk removal and space lens, which lets you see a size comparison of all your folders to detect the stuff that's taken up too much space. I find this really useful on laptops especially. I've done this a bunch on my MacBook. Pro and MacBooks before it. When I'm running out of disk space and I don't know where to look, you know, you can run these feet. You can run these like scanners on these on your uh, on your hard drive on your SSD. And you can see like which files are taking up a bunch of space and then you know I've then in the past like oh, okay, let me go select to sync away this Dropbox folder or remove these weird backups that I don't need is super useful. Clean my Mac X is a great investment to make to help you get your old Mac work as good as new. And it's different from your average Mac optimization tool. It has a real time malware monitor if you want that, which works in the background scanning your Mac for potential threats and notifying you if anything's detected. This has been coming up a lot recently in my life about Macs with malware. If you or someone you know might need this it'd be great and it's not just for security stuff it's great help when it comes to uninstalling applications from your mac because it can help you remove both the app and its leftover data to help you avoid digital clutter clear my mac x is notarized by apple so it's been checked for bad stuff so you're all good Clean My Mac X, you can get it today with a 30% discount at slash connected. That discount is only valid for two weeks until March 11th. So go now to slash connected. M A C P A slash connected. Our thanks to Clean My Mac X for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Let's talk about iPad multitasking. Hmm. Okay. So yes. this has been coming up a lot recently, right? And there was some there was an interesting concept that came out uh, over the last week. There is like a weirdness to this story that since mm. it there was a tweet posted by a Twitter user uh, by the name of Tommy. they were uh, or oh, they are Lang on Twitter. Mm-hmm. They posted this concept video of a potential way to do iPad multitasking. Um, then this person seemed to delete their entire Twitter account after it mm-hmm. got linked in a bunch of places. And now there is a video on Vimeo, which yes. is showing the... The the concept, I don't really understand what happened here. I don't think it's important mm. um for the stu- to like in regards to talking about it. But in case you haven't seen it, it will be in the show notes, but in case you haven't seen it, this concept effectively um treats the iPad like splits it in half and puts basically two home screens on either side. So you can swipe in from the right, and you see your basically a small version of your home screen, and you can pick whatever app you want, or you can swipe in from the left, and you'll see the same. It takes you back to a small home screen without actually going home, and you can select it. Basically, this was the idea for iPad multitasking that Federico and many people had back in like the iOS 10 days. Yes, Um, yeah. And so, you know... I, lots of people are saying, this looks great. I don't know how mm. this is any more discoverable than the current system that we have. Um, but this is something that people... Um, I get the the thinking at least. And I think that there is something to be said about showing an app picker. I think that that idea is not necessarily flawed. Um, it is a different mm. way of doing things. Uh, mm. But yeah, what do you think?
1: Uh, so we've come back around to this conversation um that we were having as you said uh back in 2016 uh before the days of iOS 11 mm-hmm. about the fact that split view multitasking on iPad needed some kind of better app picker and Cause if you
0: remember back in the day you know people mm-hmm. might not remember what happened was when you wanted to ever switch an application you just had this like rolodex v- yes. scrolling view of previous applications you'd had open. It really sucked because it was that was the only way you could do it. You'd swipe in from the side and yeah. you'd be able to pick an application you'd recently used. It was not a good system.
1: Yeah, and that was available in iOS 9 and iOS 10 and it was weird because it showed you the most recent apps but the first three of that list were not actually the most recent. It was very strange mm-hmm. and very confusing. So Apple got rid of that uh, when they launched iOS 11 um, with the current system that we have, a drag and drop multitasking, and of course last year with iPadOS, we got multiple apps in slide and uh, essentially a modernized version of the same foundation of iOS of iOS eleven. Um, now we've come the conversation, and you know, for example, John Gruber has been writing about this on their Fireball, uh, has come back around to this idea of no uh, drag and drop is confusing. It requires a lot of fine precision to operate all these different gestures. We need a simpler system to act as a as a picker for the apps that you want to put in, slip, in split view or slide over. And of course, uh, a lot of people think that, that the best way to go about this is to actually use a, a single launcher for apps, which would be the home screen. The home screen is what you see when you unlock your iPad, is how you launch apps by tapping on their icons, and it should also be... Uh, the launcher for apps in split view. Now, this concept, I think, it it pleases the audience in the sense of it it goes right to the core of this conversation uh, among people who believe that the home screen should be the single launcher, and it actually does a you know as a concept. Of course, this is not an actual. Uh, piece of software. It's not a jailbreak tweak either. It's a, it's a motion concept. Uh, it does a good job at, at uh, showing how the home screen could be accessed. However, it, uh, what I think is that it doesn't account for all the different ways that people who use the iPad today actually have actually learned the system mm-hmm. and take advantage of multiple features of the iPad. Because the iPad Pro And the iPad in general, really, it's not just about split view, it's about using the dock, it's about using slide over, it's about having multiple apps in slide over, it's about navigating back and forth between multiple pages of of an app, like Safari, you can go back and forth by swiping from the edge of the screen. And this concept does not address any of these features. It doesn't show you how, uh, for example, you may operate slide over, which... I know that for me and for other people is an essential feature, especially since iPadOS brought the ability to have multiple apps inside over and cycle through them. Um, The dock, this concept, uh, if Apple were to follow this idea, the dock would lose all of its importance because right now the dock, yes, it can hold a lot of icons on your home screen, but it's also the single element that you can summon anywhere in the iPad UI And you can use drag and drop to place your apps anywhere you want. So it brings like, it's a system-wide launcher that allows you to choose from 15 different apps. And this concept does not address the importance of the dock at all. Now, what I think is that right now that we're having this conversation again, it does feel like a repeat of 2016 all over again. Uh, But we're bumping against uh, a single and a really fundamental question at the moment. Do we believe, as iPad users, that we should preserve the freedom of placing windows anywhere on screen, using drag-and-drop or using some other system? Now, Ryan, for example, when he did uh, his concept on Mac Stories a few weeks ago, uh, the concept that we talked about, the concept that was using context menus, Ryan thought we should get rid of drag-and-drop, but we should preserve at least some way to decide where you want to put up windows. So you want to put a window on the left, you want to put a window on the right. You should have a context menu that has multiple options for that. But some, and this is really the the key issue in this conversation. I think a lot of people who don't use the iPad as a multitasking machine regularly don't necessarily know that iPad users like us, we depend on these features, on... The freedom to manage your windows, to place your windows anywhere, to have multiple apps in over, to invoke the dock anywhere you are. And so I think it, it becomes this kind of strange one-way conversation because a lot of people are asking for a simplified launcher, but there's also other people who maybe are not as vocal about these problems right now that are actually saying, yes, the system is not perfect, but we don't want Apple to get rid of all these pro features that have been made available ever since iOS 11. And so I really don't know what the solution is because oh, we have a group of people asking for a simplified system and another group of people saying, but we love the, the mm-hmm. things that are possible right now. And so some way to reconcile all of these needs, that's why I believe Apple's challenge is trickier than just saying, yeah, whatever, let's just use the home screen and be done with it, because you got to balance right, the need for a more intuitive system that some people want with the fact that there's an existing user base of other people who don't want to lose these functionalities. And so that is why I think it'll be interesting to see if at all Apple addresses these concerns this year, or if maybe we're looking at a 2021 um, redesign of iPadOS, um, I don't know, where do you fall on this spectrum, Mike? So if we're looking
0: at the two concepts that we're talking about today, one is this uh, concept with using the home screen, and then one is Ryan's with context menus. If I was making the decision at Apple, I would lean more towards the home screens than the context menus. Because whilst I like Ryan's concept, I think it's still complex, right? Because in this situation, you are taking applications and long pressing them and then saying whether you want to pair them left or pair them right. But there are a lot of variables that I think could make this quite complicated over time, right? Depending on like... What if I want to open it left, but then I want to have a different application on the right, then I have to open another context menu and then open that application on the right. You know, like in a way that drag and drop makes it really easy right now because you're just like, you know, you kind of feel like a a conductor in an orchestra at times, right? Mm-hmm. You just like throw this app over here, throw this app over here. Um, So I, I like Ryan's concept, but I feel like it wouldn't, It would be a different way to do it and could be better, but I don't think would help the crowd who find it complex, right? Right. Because it is a different level of complexity that solves some problems, but still it is complex. I mean, honestly, like I don't think that there is an easy solution to this problem, right? But I do see the logic in presenting people with a home screen to choose from. Because people know how that works, right? We know how home screens work for picking apps. So I can see there being some merit in trying to provide a way to give people a home screen. Like, for example, if they had like two home indicators at the bottom of each half, right? And if you just swipe up to go home, it only goes home on that one side, Mm -hmm. you know? Could be a way to... Do that rather than this swiping in from the left or the right thing. I think you're adding another level of complexity in this con in this concept that people still wouldn't understand. I think Apple has to try and find a way to bring more of the iPhone's navigation system into the iPad to create a base level and then build upon it with more complexity. Right. So if Apple believes that the iPad iPad OS should be used very frequently in split views, try and find a way to make managing split views easier, right? Mm-hmm. And then build back on top of that the more complex features that we have used. Because, for example, let's imagine they found a way to make it that effectively you were dealing with two sides of a screen at all times unless you dragged that middle part away, right? And then you were in one Um i I don't really know how they deal with like if you've got one screen open and then you want to open a second side, like whatever, you know, like you can find a way to do it, but it seems like a very you know what it's comp this is really hard, Federico yeah, I know because this know. is okay, so this is the problem like what I'm doing to myself now is the issue that I have of all of these concepts, including like the one that Ryan did, which is like this makes sense, but then I hit a wall that mm-hmm. I can't solve for anymore. You know, like, so like I said, like, if you look at the, the, again, links in the show notes for Ryan's concept, like one of the things is like, you would press and hold uh, an icon and you'd be able to pair left of Safari or right of Safari. But then it's like, well, what if I actually don't want to pair this, that app with either of those? I actually want to pair this application left of OmniFocus. I just haven't opened OmniFocus yet. Yeah. Right, Where it's like, because that breaks it then. It's like, well, yes, I know that I could pair left to Safari and then do that. But like, do you see how that can, but the- this is what I'm saying. Like you hit that wall of confusion again, where it's like, well, will people then just assume that you can only pair with the app that's currently mm-hmm. open? Like, honestly, I think the the, the simplest way is the way that apple's currently doing it
1: uh (laughs) i keep also coming back to this (laughs) which is like
0: oh you know what they're really smart people over there and they tried it all out and like whilst it isn't necessarily the most understandable thing it Mm -hmm. is easier than the other ways of doing things i don't know i i this is the problem it's like oh i have an idea and then i start talking about it and then i tie myself in knots and then i can't get myself back out again
1: because if you think about it, these are like it's not like Apple solved these problems on the Mac in regards to multitasking and pairing multiple apps it together. It sucks.
0: Like the, the, the split screen thing sucks on the Mac. Yes, like so it bad. is
1: still yeah. a problem on the Mac as well. And I guess the the argument on the Mac is that it, with the desktop system, it is really uh, you know the fact that you tap on on an on on, on on an icon and you see all the windows mm-hmm. that is the main advantage like there's a single way to see all the windows that are currently open yeah. and that that maybe could be improved because i do believe that ipad os In fact, there's a whole section of my review about these problems, these inconsistencies. I love that.
0: You know, I I feel for you so bad because, like, I listen to your shows as well as this one. And I've heard you say that line so many times because I and I understand it because, like, people think you're not complaining because they didn't read that part of the review. I am,
1: but it's in there. So I got to remind people that there's a section about this in there. Yeah. I I do think that the the, the current expose system to see all the windows, that leaves a lot to be desired. It's Mm. slow and it's clunky and it's really hidden from most people. And also, I think one area where I think we we can all agree that the iPad is lacking uh, in terms of managing multitasking, as you said, managing split view, Uh, when you open the app switcher, and you see the grid of open windows. There's nothing else that you can do in there. You mm-hmm. cannot manage your split views from there. You cannot say, "Oh, let me take this window and combine it with some other window." It is not like a, like a, a system that lets you mix and match windows. And that is why a lot of people think that all of this is clunky because you gotta open an existing split view and then you gotta change the app. It would be so much easier if you could manipulate all your split views from that app switcher from the like you imagine like shuffling cards around and combining them to obtain a different space so that i think is one of the areas that is problematic because it doesn't follow the one of the main principles of the ipad which is direct manipulation and the app switcher right now does not follow that idea because you cannot manipulate it at all you can only display it and then tap on a window to open it and that's it let me ask you Uh, a question yeah
0: what do you think about
1: actually bringing
0: Macintosh style window management to iOS?
1: No. No, Why? I I I disagree that that So when you say Macintosh style, do you mean like fully resizable windows? Fully resizable freeform windows. No, I don't think it's a good idea. I don't think it's a good idea because it doesn't lend itself well to the kind of like sloppy interaction that one may have on an iPad. I think yeah. it's possible. I think it's technically possible. I don't think it would be nice to use. Um, I, I I think of all the the of all the things that should be coming to iPad OS, the ability to to freely resize a window is not a priority. I agree that the problem price.
0: is, the problem is the precision of your finger as opposed to a mouse, right? Like that's mm-hmm. the main problem. Like if you could easily resize windows, I think it wouldn't be that difficult to do. I mean, cause mm-hmm. really at this point, the screens are big enough, you know, like there was an 11 inch mm-hmm. MacBook air. The iPad is 11 inch, right? The iPad pro is just like, it's basically 11 inches. Like the screens are big enough to work with that system but the interaction model is too difficult of like yeah. how you would resize things to the point mm-hmm. that i feel like that style wouldn't work but i do my feeling right now is like if if there is a widespread problem of people not understanding the current system apple needs to address it they can't yes. just lean into me and you and be like we're just going to stick with that. If they want the iPad to be more widely accepted, so like I do think that there has to be like a middle ground and and I think if they want to if they want to make it make sense to people then they should look again at old school window management which people understand, right? And or the iPhone, right? Like one or one or the other of those and try and tweak or rebuild the multitasking system to start with those starting points because the current system has been developed on itself for too long when it started in not a great place, right? Mm -hmm. Like the iOS 9 split view system whilst great for the iPad, we have both said was not great, right? Oh, in the long term. And then in iOS 11, and then again in 13, Apple have just built on that old system, kind of making it better and worse in certain places. Like what I loved about iOS 11 was you could take an application icon and you could drag it anywhere. but they mm-hmm. stopped they broke that in 13. right? Because now every time you try right. and drag an application and you tap on another app, to open so you used to be able to like uh-huh. press and hold on Safari, tap on Twitter, Twitter would open, you drag Safari to the side. Now it just tries to collect them into a a bundle of apps to save on the home screen, right? Yeah. So like it feels like every time Apple has iterated, they have in fact just done that, which is iterated. But every version of iPad multitasking has had problems, which if you are a devoted iPad user you just like with any computing system or any UI thing, you learn your way around it to get back to being productive again, right? So like for me, well, I've just, I rely on the dock way more now to launch apps than I did before. And I've just changed my system to in the regards to not being able to open applications in split view from the home screen as easy as I used to before. But I would still like that functionality to come back. Like I think, I do think like, cards on the table i think the way that you should be able to open apps is with a mini version of the home screen Mm. as well as a dock Mm. i think it makes sense to people i think people can get that it's the same reason we did ask for it so many years ago of like you know where your apps are it's easy right like you find Mm. a way you do some kind of gesture you see all your applications you choose one and it's open because me and you would be so much faster that way right even because I would prefer that to drag and drop. But I then still, once I have those applications open, I want to be able to move them around, right? Like I want to be able to get that pro level back on top again. Mm-hmm. I still want to be able to use slide over. I still want to use the dock. I still want the option for drag in and drop in, But I think a mode in which you can see the home screen living underneath the... Uh, living underneath the the desktop is probably the way to go. Or they just ditch it all together and try and bring some kind of like application launcher, which is different. I don't know, right? Mm. But I, I feel like they have to go back to basics a little bit to allow themselves to build forward to the future because currently trying to tweak the already confusing system has ended up in a situation where we just, as you say, we keep going round and
1: around and around year over year. Yeah, I think I agree. Like the 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 current features should be like it. I really don't think they should discard them. they should remain available as a pro layer. Or they just
0: tweak them again, right? Where Mm -hmm. it's like you can still access all that stuff, but maybe there's a slightly different way of doing it. Like you know, I don't know what that would be even, but I, I think it would be great.
1: You know, I have some real time follow up, Mike. Oh my. Apple software head Craig Federighi, after Tim Cook is asked at the shareholder meeting about iPad software lagging behind hardware. And I quote, if you like what you've seen us do with OS, stay tuned, we're going to keep working on it. So that's, uh, that's something that Craig said. Uh, all right, I mean, that's great, because that's all we want yeah?
0: really, is like, okay, if you want to keep making tweaks... Do it every year rather than every mm-hmm. two to three years. And so, you know, I, I do think we're going to see some changes to this system this year, uh, whenever, if ever, WWDC is. But I don't think it's going to be a widespread overhaul. But I think it will be some interesting and or welcome additions or tweaks to the system. That's That's kind of where I'm lying on it. But I do think... That there needs to be some some rethinking uh, mm-hmm. to try and simplify things for for new people and for people like me and you, right? Like simplification, making it making a system easier to use is great as long as you don't take away all of the things that makes it powerful.
1: Yeah, if anything, because like people like you and me, we like the fact that we are used to a system that we have learned doesn't necessarily mean that the system is good. It no. just means that we know how to use it. And this and is like
0: is- my argument in the inverse about how, like, the Macintosh is quote unquote intuitive. It isn't, people yes. just have learned it. Right? Yep. Like, because it was kind of funny. I was talking about it on upgrade and was saying about the Mac wasn't intuitive and like split view, getting into split view sucked. And then a bunch of people were like, well, if you press and hold the green indicator in the. Yeah. Mid, like, it's just like, oh, okay. So that very. How intuitive is that different from feature. the iPad? And pe- people weren't trying to say I was wrong, but it like proved the point of like, like the iPad, there are many features in Macintosh OS, Macintosh OS, Mac mm. OS, which are. Also unintuitive, but the thing is, like most computer users have learned this system over decades,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And and I bet that if you sat a ten year old down in front of a Mac, they would have a much harder time than if they used an iPad because they used iPads first, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so I agree. All computer systems are difficult, but newer ones maybe they should try and like make them e- more easy if they want people to adopt
1: them. I will add to that that all multi-window systems are complicated. Yes. Like the moment that the iPad gained split view. I I actually think this was like a a line in my review. Uh, The more Apple basically uh, accepted the fact that they were going to have to embark on a decade-long journey to try and fix it because it's always been a problem. Mm -hmm. Like It's always been a problem and possibly always will be a problem. Because like the idea of managing windows of like something that doesn't really exist in the physical world, that has always been <laughs> impossible. Maybe it's impossible to fix. You just gotta find the 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 least <laughs> terrible solution for it. Yeah. Maybe.
0: Yeah. And maybe there is a better terrible solution than the one that mm-hmm. we currently have. But I do really like the one we currently have. So we'll see. All right. Today's show is also brought to you by. Indeed, when you're starting the hiring process, you may have a few questions like, are you going to get good applicants to choose from? How can you narrow down by education and experience? And how will you know if you've made the right hire? Indeed is there to help. There are millions of great candidates that use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help you quickly create your shortlist of applicants. Plus, you can add a skills test to your job posts so you can be confident in your applicants' abilities. Their library of more than 50 skills tests range from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and the Confidence that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at indeed.com slash podcast and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's indeed.com slash podcast. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. The offer is available through to March 31st, 2020. Our thanks to Indeed for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, Federico. Shall we talk about the wonder that is uh, HomeKit router support?
1: Oh. Y- yes L- let us talk about that
0: all right so this is a feature announced at wwdc which was HomeKit support for routers uh which basically would allow existing router companies to adopt home kit support uh, honestly until i did some research for today's episode i had no idea why <laughs> someone might want this in their lives my thinking was just like I don't know, maybe you can turn it on and off again. Like, I don't really know why you would want a router in HomeKit. So uh, we'll start with why, because I would expect there are many people that don't know why, because honestly, Apple didn't even explain it at WWDC. They just said it was happening, right? So Mm -hmm. from Apple's documentation, you may add more protection to your home accessories by controlling which services and devices they communicate with on your home Wi-Fi network and over the internet. So basically, once you enable this feature, you then see a selection of options that you can set for each HomeKit-enabled accessory on your network. So having a HomeKit router basically just means that you can have more control over your HomeKit devices on your network. So for example, your cameras or whatever, right, or your light bulbs. And you get for every... Once you've enabled a HomeKit router in your home setup... You, for every single device, get an option to change its network settings to one of the following three options. Restrict to home, which is, quote, the most secure. Apple says your accessory can interact only with HomeKit through your Apple devices. The accessory won't connect to the Internet or any local devices. So any third party services like firmware updates might be blocked. So basically, this does not let your HomeKit device, whatever it is, access the Internet at all. It just talks within your local network. They have the automatic function, which is default security. Your accessory can communicate with HomeKit and connections recommended by its manufacturer only. And so then you would be able to receive firmware updates or you could connect it from outside of the home, right? Because it's coming through like the hub or whatever that's connected to the network. And then no restriction, which is the least secure. This setting bypasses the secure router and allows your accessory to interact with any device in your network or internet-based service. So. In essence, you may want to have a HomeKit-enabled router if you want increased security for your HomeKit devices at home, but you would have to really have a lot of them for this to make sense to you. You would have to have a lot of devices that all worked with HomeKit. But like, if you are, for example, using other smart devices at home, this would not be good for you. So like, if you are, like I am, using an Echo and a HomePod at home, I think it would probably st- if you set it on like restrict to home maybe even automatic you wouldn't be able to use the echo anymore to tie into that device it's going to lock it down right mm. that that's mm-hmm. kind of the what I take away from this so really you have to be like an all in on the home kit world before j- jumping into this and jumping into it is very difficult so this is not an easy process to set up. Let me read a quote to you from Apple's kind of documentation on setting this stuff up. Okay. After setup, add your HomeKit accessories to the Home app. If you already have Wi-Fi HomeKit accessories added to the Home app, remove and reset them, then add them back to the Home app for a more secure connection. So basically, if you enable a HomeKit router and want to be able to control the HomeKit devices, you have to rebuild your entire smart home setup to do this.
1: No, thanks.
0: I don't really understand that part to be honest. Like I don't if it's all homekit, like there must be something that it's doing that that I don't understand, but that seems really peculiar to me just how complicated this process is. Yeah. Right, I'm... like you'd have to like delete everything and start all over again.
1: Yeah, it's... I don't understand why. Like, if you just add a router, like, w- w- what's the issue with having to delete? Unless, like, some, there's something that gets cached in the well, system. Well, I'm
0: thinking that it, like, it must be establishing this specific link between the two devices, right? Mm. Is is what I assume is occurring here. Like, it's, it's letting your router sit in between the device and... The internet connection in a different way, because like other companies will allow you to like turn off something's access to the internet, right? But I mean, so I don't really know. Like, Eero does this, right? You can you can turn off a device's access to the internet, but I what I don't know honestly in that scenario is if it then still has access to the network or if it's like completely gone from the network. So, but this is like. It must need some kind of, to like establish this connection between the two devices to allow you to do it. But this feels like a very niche and like backwards implemented system. Mm -hmm. Like, can you imagine if you... Because All right, so Eero added uh, support for this today in a software update. They're the only company that's done it so far. There are other companies, I think Linksys um, was one of them, that said they're going to be adding this to some of their products. Yep. But there is only one now. I mean, this is probably why this documentation came out, because Eero was ready, right? And Apple wanted to publish their documentation. But like, I think at the moment you have to like go into some settings and enable it. But can you imagine if, like, someone, like, if you set up a new router in your home and it recommended this to you, it would, like, destroy your day if you wanted to get it to work correctly. Uh Because you know it's not going to be easy as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this this whole thing is not going to go for you as easily as you would hope it would. Just because, like... All smart home device connections are a problem. Like, it always takes forever to est- establish these things. With, like, firmware updates and different connections and scanning things, and, you know, it never is easy. I honestly don't know why I would want... I don't think I would even
1: want the features they're pre- offering me. Is it really worth it? I mean, like, do you really want to destroy your HomeKit setup So, I mean, and it's nice that you get more privacy controls, but is it really worth it all the time?
0: I think you have to be a very, very privacy-conscious person to want to use this. Like, you
1: you have to be pretty deep into
0: that and more power to you, right? Like, if that's Mm -hmm. your thing, that's your thing. Like, no judgment here. But the functionality you are getting feels like a lot of work for not a lot and for what will guaranteed cause you other problems. <laughs> like, it's... You will all... You know, I can imagine people using this system and using these features finding themselves running into issues that take diagnosis a bunch of the time, right? That, like, oh, so I used to Philips Hue, but it, to Philips are saying they've got these new features, but it's not working. Why? I can't work... Oh, because I set it onto automatic, and therefore it can't run the software update, and, like, you know this is going to cause problems for you, like, ultimately... I don't, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do this. But at least we have the answer to the question now. Of one, two questions. One, what on earth does this does this actually do for you? And two, where is all the support for this? We, we have that. What it does for you is provides you additional security if you really want that. And two, there is now at least one company that is offering support for it.
1: Yeah. I can tell you, Michael, that from personal experience, having to remove all your all of your accessories from HomeKit is not fun, because I just did this uh, three days ago myself. So it's a very long story. Uh, of course, as all my stories, it all started because I wanted to play Pokemon online mm-hmm. and I couldn't anymore. My Nintendo Switch was giving me um, in the Wi-Fi settings the the Switch was saying NAT D, so I was getting so the NAT thing is like network access transfer, whatever, I don't know, it's it's a Wi-Fi thing, it's a router thing, and I was getting a, a grading of D instead of A, and so I wanted to fix that, and it turns out that I was getting that because my ISP-provided modem slash router uh, did not support a bunch of settings to get that um, sort of connection to the internet, and... I was using an Orbi, Netgear Orbi system on top of that as an access point. So my Nintendo Switch was connecting to the Orbi system and I was effle- effectively ended up with double NAT. That's the way that it's, uh, you know, uh, people who are experts about this stuff call it. So I needed to fix that. And in order to fix that, I had to redo completely my Wi-Fi system at home so that now my isp provided modem is only a modem and the netgear orbi is actually a router so it takes care of uh, assigning ip addresses and and takes care of the net and all that kind of stuff so it is actually a router now
0: oh that's super difficult to do with some providers like yeah i my, my internet provider it's just like no you can't do it so i have a router attached to a router that attaches to a cable that comes out of the wall (laughs) Uh (laughs) for me like it's
1: just no way to do it yeah i had to take care of like manually authenticating with the connection coming uh, via the telephone cable from my isp like having a username and password and all that anyway now it works and i get nat a on my nintendo switch and i can play online again and it's awesome But in order to do this, I had to create a new Wi-Fi network from scratch. And this has been a nightmare for HomeKit because I will go now through the list of things that I had to do. So um, I have two Apple TV devices at home that uh, act as um, HomeKit hubs, and they did not pick up my new Wi-Fi network automatically. I thought that somehow maybe... Uh, they could just get the Wi-Fi information via proximity from the iPhone, but it turns out that it's not like that. As soon as the older Wi-Fi network was gone, the Apple TVs were saying, I don't know how to connect to the internet anymore, therefore we're not acting as HomeKit hubs anymore, and all of your devices are now inoperable. So uh, I needed to go in and fix the Wi-Fi on my Apple TV. Thankfully, the HomePods, which are also HomeKit hubs, automatically picked up the Wi-Fi. I'm guessing from my iPhone. So I'm guessing that my iPhone was able to transfer the Wi-Fi information to the HomePod. I don't know how this stuff works, but the HomePods uh, didn't have any errors in the Home app. So that was nice. The real nightmare, Mike, was that all my HomeKit cameras stopped working. All of them. I have four cameras in in my house. Um... One of them is an old-school HomeKit camera. It's a, it's a D-Link omna camera. Mm-hmm. And the, the other three cameras are Logi Circle 2 wired cameras that support HomeKit secure video. And this
0: is when you did that whole like, flash in the firmware, this will never yes. work again type they,
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. So the Circle 2 cameras, mm-hmm. they can never go back to the older firmware. <laughs> uh, and that means that now you cannot use them with the Logi Circle app from the App Store. They oh. can only be configured inside of the Home app. But if the Home but, app can't find them... But if the Home app can find them, what do you do? Well, here's what you do. Uh, you reset them. So you, manually, you go back to the factory default settings. You completely wipe the camera and you set it up again. And Then you may say, well, that's easy. You just press a button and you scan a code and whatever, and you're done. But no, it's not that easy. First of yes. all, the cameras don't have a code. They have a pairing code. Uh, they, they don't, Well, they don't have a QR code. They have a, a pairing code that is like a bunch of numbers, and you got to uh, look at them and, and write them down somewhere. Um, however, physically speaking... To get to to the reset button and to actually physically reach this code, you need to unplug the cameras, remove the base of the camera by twisting it, and then you got to remove the plastic cover on top of the camera. And then you need to squint, like, very closely to the back of the camera to see this tiny code that is printed just on the outer edge, on the inner edge of the camera. And I couldn't even see like all the numbers i I was only seeing like half of them like they were cut off vertically mm-hmm. by the by the camera, and so I just needed to guess the shape of the number and get and guess what the number was, so I needed to save that code in like a text note and also, pressing the reset button, like physically speaking, was kind of hard, hard because it's like, it's not a real button. It's like a recessed type of thing that you need to really press with your finger. So you need to press that for like 20 seconds and then the camera resets and then you set it up again. And when you set it up again, uh, of course, it defaults to HomeKit secure video because now it uh, the firmware has been flashed. So it's like, it goes to HomeKit. It goes straight to HomeKit. Okay. But all of your previous settings, of course, are gone. So I had to uh, do the whole thing of like, when you're home, do you want to stream video or do you want to record video? Like, who are the people who have access to this camera? Like, all the settings were gone. And I did it for three cameras. It took me like half an hour to just do the cameras. Uh, And once I was done, I noticed that that the status light was on, even though I disabled the setting in the home app to, sh- to always leave the status light on. All my cameras had a blue LED light. And I tried to toggle the setting on and off and on again. Didn't work. So I needed to uh, do a power cycle to actually unplug them from the wall and turn them on again. And then the status light setting kicked in. And now the cameras are working. So that was that, uh, 30 minutes just for the cameras and the Apple TVs I already mentioned. My alarm system, so not the custom do-it-yourself system that I actually did myself, that worked perfectly. Like it switched to, to the new Wi-Fi and everything is fine. The secondary system that is based on a device called the Acara Hub, which is uh, it's, like a, it's like a secondary hub that comes with a with a built-in siren. It's not as loud as my primary siren, but it's it's another option and it connects to a Zigbee motion sensor that I have in another uh window mm-hmm. in the house. Uh that also did not move to the new Wi-Fi and it stopped working. And honestly, after wasting like an hour trying to fix all of this stuff, I, I was just like, you know what, I'm not gonna, I am I don't have time for this right now, so the Akara Hub is still sitting on my desk right now, uh, not configured with the new Wi-Fi at all. And finally, and of course, this shouldn't come as a surprise, but it's another factor that I need to mention for, uh, for because I'm a completionist when it comes to this stuff, all my, well, not all, most of my HomeBridge stuff stopped working because it was like trying to access local IP addresses that have since changed uh, because of the new Wi-Fi network. So all of my HomeBridge plugins, and again, not all, most of them, they need to be reconfigured, like the plugin for my TV and the plugin for my Dyson fan. The Dyson fan is also not talking to Wi-Fi anymore. Uh, Yeah, so... I guess at the end of the day, uh, I do not recommend changing the Wi-Fi network if you have a HomeKit setup, but also I do not recommend creating a new Wi-Fi network, period.
0: Because I expect this is a spectacularly bad situation because it's. I guess the devices think that they're connected to the thing that they were connected to before, (laughs) but the settings on the thing before have changed. Yes. That's the problem, right? So like, if you had maybe created a completely new network... It may have been easier, like if you were mm-hmm. to have moved home, right, and you had new hardware, or if you had new hardware, maybe it would have been easier for you than this. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I don't know, because this seems spectacularly bad, right, to a level that would, it wasn't as bad maybe when you bought the uh, Orby hardware that you have.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's... I mean, I'm happy with the result uh, at the end because it, the new Wi-Fi is working so much better than before. But I do wish that there was, like, at least for HomeKit, like a, a better way to don't force me to reset the camera. There must be a way that, that that the HomeKit system can say, "Look, camera, there's a new Wi-Fi network in town, and you gotta connect to that I and forget if, about uh, the old one." Having a
0: HomeKit secure route. Would solve this problem for you in the future Uh,
1: now I can change my Wi-Fi every week because why not
0: (laughs) I go wild alright we have one last thing to talk about today which is everyone's friend the files app but today's episode is also brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. It doesn't matter how good your content is or how effective your marketing might be. People aren't going to stick around if your website's loading too slowly or not at all, right? With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues affect the experience of your visitors. So you're able to take action before your business is impacted. How your website visitors experience your site differs depending on the browser device and platform that they use. And identifying how visitors are experiencing your site is really awesome and valuable. And if you can do this, you can make informed optimizations to make sure that you're delivering a great performance to the people who matter most to you. And did I mention that Pingdom is built for scalability with real user monitoring and is an event-based solution. This means that you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank in the process. You can get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash FM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show at FM. So did your new Wi-Fi network break the files app? Really? I'm just wondering. Like, Well... You've you've come to the show today with a list of issues, and I wonder if the... No,
1: well, now that you mention it, I do have, and you just made me think of this, um, Secure Shellfish, which is a files uh, provider extension that lets me connect to FTP servers and local servers. Uh, Now it needs to be reconfigured because my Mac mini server has a new IP address. See? So, yeah, that broke. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, I mean, um, so there's been a conversation on Twitter this week uh, between uh, Steve Charles Smith and John Gruber and I and and Jason as well, and like talking about some of the more advanced features of the Files app in in iOS and iPadOS thirteen. One of them being Column View, which you can now use on iPad. And we were talking about like. Um, the fact that it is possible to open a specific file type in a specific app, and so that got me thinking about all the different uh, limitations and issues that I have with files, and I wanted to go through the list with you, yep. Michael. So let's start. Let's start from that. So uh, default file associations. By that I mean if you have a, a document in a specific file format, let's say that you have a I don't know a .js file for a JavaScript file that you have, or maybe it's like some other weird file format that you always want to open in a specific app. But really, even if you just want to open your TXT or MD markdown documents in a specific text editor, there's a way to do this in, 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 iOS, uh, in iOS 13. You do this by creating the association first, which is uh, essentially the the main problem is that uh, most people don't know that this is possible.
0: Me and Jason spoke about this on Upgrade last week and I was talking about the fact
1: that Apple should build this into the system. I had no idea you could do this. <laughs> it is built into the system, it's just not visible. That's what and I mean. When you, and when you do it, it's not like it creates a record of the associations that you've done. It just... Leaves on in the background, invisible, forever, you know, set to that option without you ever actually seeing it uh, in, a, in a list or in a menu or in a setting screen. It just, it just happens. Um, so to do this, you, you long press on a file and you select Share, and that opens the Share Sheet. Now, in the Share Sheet, in the Share extension row, so that is the horizontal uh, row of app icons... You should be able to find extensions that say "Open in" and then the name of the app, like "Open in Textastic" or "Open in IA Writer," stuff like that. Yeah, now, sometimes you should
0: scroll all the way to the end, yeah, and then you and can get a list of them.
1: And you can, yeah, you can tap the ellipsis and then you get a full list of all the um, possible possible options. Now, those are apps that support opening that file type, and not only that, but they can also be apps that support the Open in Place uh, technology. Open in Place means that it's not like you create a copy of the document. You actually open the document in the app without creating a duplicate. The app opens the document, you can apply some edits to the document, and then when you close it, it gets saved back to its original location in files. Now, once you select a destination app the first time, it creates an association between that file type and that app. So if you want to open a markdown file in IA Writer, you just long press on the markdown file, you select share, and then you select open in IA Writer, the file will open in the app, and the next time you tap it on similar documents in the files app, they will automatically open in IA Writer. No need to do the share opening dance again. So the first time you do it, you create this association between a specific file type and a specific application on your system. Now, this happens because Files remembers the last used app that you use to open a specific document. It doesn't show this anywhere in the UI. Again, as I mentioned, it doesn't create a record for you to go in and actually see it just, it just leaves on in the background. Uh, y- again, you can change this by selecting, by doing the dance again, again yeah. by doing share, opening, and then we'll override the existing association. Now, this doesn't work for all file types. Um, to my knowledge, PDF documents and I believe uh, audio and video files yeah. will always open with a quick look preview system instead. For some reason, Quick Look is locked into those file types. And so even if you try to do this uh, later, you will not be able to open uh, the, the file will not automatically open. Even in, though in the app. It is
0: possible for applications to use open in place yes. for
1: PDFs. I do this all the time with
0: PDF pen. I open PDF pen and I see the files app viewer, right? Like they built the files app in. So I can navigate something in Dropbox, open it, sign it, and it's Saved in place, like it doesn't create uh-huh. a copy. So like even though that system exists, it's not observed for mm-hmm. PDFs because yeah. they open in quick view only.
1: Now there are some hidden gestures. Of there things are things that you can do mm-hmm. once you have this association. So um in list view and in grid view, which are the you could say the default views of the files app, uh, you can open a document in a specific application by just tapping on it. So you tap on it once. And it opens in in the associated app.
0: And that's instead of opening it in a quick view.
1: Instead of opening in Quick Look, it opens in the app. Um, if you use Column View, which is available on iPad, and to get to Column View, this is also a bunch of people were confused. Um, to get to Column View, you can do Command three on your iPad, or you can swipe down anywhere. Uh, in the Files app to reveal a toolbar. This mm-hmm. toolbar contains sorting options and view options. And one of the view options is the column view. Uh, in column view, you can... I mean, at a basic level, you can select the file, and because it's a column view, when you tap it once, it doesn't open. It shows you the inspector panel. Mm-hmm. And in the inspector panel, there's, a, there's an open button. And if you tap open, the, the document opens. There's a quicker way to go about this, and that is instead of tapping once, double tap the document. And by double tapping, you will have a shortcut that essentially says select and open. That's what you're doing by double tapping. And it's a faster way to open a document in a specific app uh, when you use Column View. Finally, Split View is part of this entire <laughs> dance. Uh, if you have a file association made on your system, you can tap and hold the document on your iPad, drag it to one side of the screen, and the destination app will open in split view with that document open in the foreground. Now, again, as this is part of the things we were talking about before, this is nice once you know about it, but there really must be a more intuitive way to actually know about it for mm-hmm. most people because it's completely invisible otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go quickly through my other complaints. Uh, It's still not possible to change file extensions in the Files app. You can rename files. You cannot change their extension, which I think it's absurd. Whenever I need to change the extension of of a document for some reason, I need to copy the item into a third-party file manager Change the extension and then copy it back to files, which, if it's a heavy file, it can take several minutes. It's just, it's absurd. It should be, you should just be able to change the the extension as well. We've talked about this before, Jason has written about it. airdrop and the modal dialog that you get when you receive a file on your ipad it's
0: the worst thing in the world you get a, Here's a huge list of every list. single application and none of
1: them are the one you want <laughs> just default to saving the file in a folder of the files app like it works on the mac and then let me decide what i want to do with it just don't don't interrupt me with that huge list of apps and none of them is the right one um, I also mentioned this uh, a few weeks ago I believe here on Connected so once a week Mike I need to reboot my iPad and and my iPhone at least once a week because at some point during the week whenever I try to copy a folder Mm -hmm. from one place to another Mm -hmm. or I try to unzip an archive I get an error that says something like operation cannot be completed like what is that? why? so if I reboot my iPhone or iPad it fixes that um, so this shouldn't be it shouldn't be the case. Um I brought this up in my iOS 13 review. I would like to see more sorting options. I want Apple to bring over some of the sorting features from the Mac to the Files app for iPhone and iPad. Uh for example, sorting by date added, which is not available on iOS, and it should really be a thing. And of course, I mean, take a look at the Mac in the Finder. You have uh, application, you have date added, you have date last opened. All of these options would be nice to have uh, in files as well. It is still not possible in files to create saved searches or call them smart folders, if you will. I mean, the favorites still don't even work for me. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, that is true. They just Favorites disappear. Sometime. They disappear. They disappear after a while. They disappear for this me isn't as well. This is after a while or sometimes. Like, it has never, ever
0: worked for me. Like, yeah. I drag them in, and then a couple of hours later, they're gone forever. Like, I drag them mm-hmm. and it's it's so frustrating.
1: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, oh, I mean, of course, the the crowning achievement of these complaints, the technical issues with file providers... Uh, with the third-party file providers. Sometimes like um, I, I try to download something from the Dropbox file provider and it never works. And some other time I try to upload the document using the file provider in files, it gets stuck. So I open the Dropbox app and I do it from there. And then a couple of days later, the upload actually completes from the files app. Hmm. It's like, do you really need it two days? To do this upload, <laughs> like two days after I have a duplicate copy in my Dropbox account. I'm like, wow, that is not a good system. I don't know if it's Dropbox's fault, but given all the issues that I've been seeing, I mean, do we think that? all developers in the world are stupid and cannot work with the file provider API, or maybe the problem is the file provider API. Yes. It's not all these different developers. So it should be more reliable. It should be faster. It should I don't know what it is, but it should be easier to work with for developers and it should be more reliable.
0: So I wanted to just note, a problem that I had had forever was with Dropbox especially, and even with iCloud, that I would get these spinning spinning spinners on like 20 kilobyte files right that would just never load recently this has gotten way better This is happening way less for me so something in the ios 13 development chain this has gotten better over time so i'm happy with that Uh, i would say like these things all frustrate me and the reason they're frustrating is because files is so important to the ipad Right, mm-hmm. like it is a very important application, and it being there is fantastic, and it does allow for a much easier navigation of the system overall, dealing with documents and moving them around. Like it is a flawed but great addition to iPad OS. Like, and it's just worth noting that, like, yes, we have problems with it, but that's because it's so important to the system. But it, the world of using iPad for productivity has been made so much better because of the introduction of the files app. So yeah, we all just hope that it will just continue to get the problems taken care of.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is I agree with you. It is essential to the way that I that I work on the iPad, especially now that I gotta manage a bunch of business documents. It's mm-hmm. tax season. And, it, uh, every, yeah. and every time, like, you know, this is so much faster to do in the Finder. Like, and it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't be that way because, it, you know, this is a professional computer. It's, I use an iPad Pro that costs like 2,000 euros. I shouldn't have a, like, a, like, a, like a pocket size, like a companion file manager. I want it to be a real file manager. And I want it to be stable, if anything. Like, I, I would be okay with fewer features if only the thing was rock solid. But it's not. And so it's, it's, a, it's a compounding problem of like, it's not rock solid, it's actually full of bugs and it's missing features. And that annoys me.
0: All right, if you want to catch our show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 283. If you want to find Federico online, you can go to maxstories.net, and he is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. I -I -I. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Stephen will be back next time, and he is at ISMH and writes at 512pixels.net if you want to check out what he is up to right now. I think he just posted something about some wheels on a computer, probably. Uh, if you would like to support the show, support our sponsors. Uh, thanks so much to Klima, Mac X, Indeed, and Pingdom for their support of this show. And thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. Cheerio.